0: willpower doesn't last and mm-hmm. that's not a good strategy for success you really no. need to understand what you're doing and often what i say is yeah why not get yourself the help of a healthcare professional like a nutritionist or a nutritional therapist and um, because it's exactly the same as needing help in the gym with a personal trainer you know you need help to get started sometimes and then you'll eat fine on your own and um, to work on your own but it's badly badly needed
1: I'm Dr. Mark Rowe and welcome to my podcast in the doctor's chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly, and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. As a practicing family doctor with expertise in lifestyle as medicine, my purpose is to encourage and support you in terms of positive health, personal growth, and all things well-being. As I say, to never stop starting. Each month on a live webinar, I teach learning by doing and learning by being the why and the how of health enhancing habits, giving you the science as well as support strategies to live with more vitality. I'd like to invite you to join my Self-Development Club to learn more and to sign up. Visit drmarkrow.com. I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast today by Rachel Graham. Rachel is a nutritional therapist and menopause educator with the British Menopause Society, and she's also the author of a wonderful new book. The Menopause Kitchen, a cookbook to transform your menopause with great nutrition, and I really think this idea of letting food be your medicine and medicine your food is a wonderful, new, innovative approach to health and lasting well-being. So welcome to the podcast, Rachel. Thank you so much, Marcus. I'm delighted to be here. So let's start. I think let's start with the book, The Menopause Kitchen. Talk to me about what inspired you to write it and, you know, what are the main messages in your work? Well,
0: I think what inspired me to write the cookbook was my client's. Um, because they were uh, constantly looking for recipes in order to help them to clean up their diet. So this was, I mean, I'm also a medicinal chef. So a lot of my um, previous career experience is actually in commercial kitchens and food is my first love and healthy food in particular. So um, I was always sharing resources like this of, of healthy recipes with my clients and so I decided just to kind of pull them all together. I had previously written a couple of little eBooks that I would share with clients when we were trying to, let's say, lose weight or address heart health or whatever it was. So I decided just to kind of compile all of my recipes and also create new recipes. And as I was doing that, I realized that, yes, this is a cookbook, but I didn't want it just be a regular cookbook. I wanted it to be a very effective tool and I wanted it to be nutrient led. So as opposed to it being a cookbook that was, you know, I suppose, like most regular cookbooks where you have like meat recipes, vegetable recipes, um, starters, desserts, whatever the case may be. I wanted my cookbook to be uh, split up into chapters that were very much focused on the nutrients that my clients needed to optimize for their particular life stage. So I decided to write the book that was going to enable that, I suppose. Um, and so I created this thing called the Meno 8 Nutrients, which are the eight nutrients that, in my opinion, women need to optimize for now at this life stage, being the menopause or midlife, in order for them to thrive. So that was really kind of the start of it. And um, and then it literally just kind of grew legs and snowballed from there into what it is now, which is a 400 page medicinal cookbook with over 100 nutritionally-led recipes that have all been nutritionally analysed using professional nutritional software so that women can see at a glance the nutritional information that is contained in each one of those recipes so that they know that if they need to optimise for something like calcium, which is a whole chapter on its own, in order to support their bone health, that they can go straight to that chapter. And then there's, there's a selection of recipes within that chapter that would be, you know, suitable for lunches or dinners or whatever the case may be. And you can see at a glance in the bar chart at the bottom of the, each recipe how much calcium is contained so that you can then achieve your optimum dose or recommended daily amount of calcium that you need to have in order to reduce your risk factor for developing osteoporosis. So that's I think kind that, of it in a nutshell.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's great because I think, I think there is a big knowledge gap mm. out there in terms of you know, the nutritional contents of various foods and that and anything and everything, I think, that can bridge that gap, that can support people, as I say, to become more active participants in their own well-being is great. What are these eight nutritional elements that, in your opinion, are really vital for, particularly, I suppose, for women at, at this important life transition?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that For all women, Mark, hormones rule the roost, regardless of age. So, this book is really suitable for women of all ages. I don't think it's just really singling out women in menopause, although women in menopause can probably benefit the most from it. Mm
1: -hmm. So,
0: but my kind of menno eight nutrients are phytoestrogens, which would be things like soy containing foods, so organic soy, tofu, and miso, and soy milk, fiber. Omega-3 from oily fish and also from um, plant sources of omega-3, which would be things like chia seeds and flax seeds Mm -hmm. Then calcium and magnesium. I've put into one category. Mm -hmm. Um, Antioxidants, which are all of your vitamins. So your key vitamins like vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin E, for example, then protein, good quality sources of protein, probiotics which are your beneficial strains of bacteria and your fermented foods. And then number eight is brassicas, which are your cruciferous vegetables and also some of your green leafy vegetables as well. So those are the Menno 8, and that's how the cookbook is divided up into eight chapters, each one focusing on one of those uh, nutrients.
1: So it sounds to me, you know, this sounds very much like you know, the plant rich diet, rich in sort of the Mediterranean basis yeah. of lots of color. It, sound, it sounds like there's lots of vegetables in there, the cruciferous vegetables, which are fantastic, yeah. um, lots of nuts and nuts and seeds and, yeah. and, and, and all those good foods that are really the building blocks for a life of vitality.
0: Exactly, because I think the Mediterranean diet has the most research benefits. So This is essentially the Mediterranean diet. It's also, you could call it the low glycemic diet. So it's, Mm. you know, it's introducing foods that are low on that glycemic index, which basically means they don't give you that blood glucose spike. And we know, as health professionals that when your blood sugars are balanced, that you can actually feel or experience that all- day energy. But balanced blood sugars, in particular for women in menopause, will also really benefit their hormone balancing. So it's like you're you're doing one thing, but you're benefiting in two other ways. So that's what I am so passionate and empowered by this way of eating because you really it is
1: really transformative, and what sort of, transformational benefits have you seen, Rachel, in your own practice?
0: Weaning women off sugar, I -hmm. think, is the most freeing thing that you can possibly do with any client or patient. How that benefits them downstream in terms of their energy levels, their sleep, their cravings, their menopause symptoms, both physical and psychological, it's just phenomenal. And actually the empowerment that they feel because they no longer feel like they are relying on willpower. You know, oh, I'm just going to be good today or um, there. it's actually like logic takes over. So a lot of what my, what I do involves like an education piece and really explaining to them, why they need to eat these nutrients and the benefit of doing so and once they understand that and then experience it for themselves and how they look and feel then that is what is so transformative that's what's so empowering it's like putting the power back you know in in their hands as opposed to I suppose, you know, hoping that your doctor is going to fix your your health problems, you know, mm. which is essentially what kind of medicine 2.0 is. You know, this is really kind of functional medicine elements here that, you know, what I try and introduce. And it's just so powerful.
1: Well, I couldn't agree more. I think it's, you know, anything we can do to encourage people to take ownership of their own health and well-being journey is is the key. And you're absolutely right. You know, willpower is so fragile for all of us and you know the brain is so energy intense it really has to be about building those strong foundational habits so there's the default option is the healthier option and you're absolutely right knowing why it's important for you to make the change connecting it with your why and having an action plan to make it more likely than not that you will be successful
0: yeah exactly and i think once you start feeling the benefits of your actions, that Mm. then is self-perpetuating. And then all of a sudden you want to kind of add in maybe a few more healthy habits. And then it becomes this kind of snowball effect of of a transformation where you're now considering doing things that you maybe never would have considered before. So it actually promotes a growth mindset. You're thinking in opportunities, you know, as opposed to excuses.
1: Absolutely. And, and yet I'm just reflecting uh, as you're saying all of that, Rachel, it can be so difficult for people to escape the addictive properties of sugar because it seems as if it's everywhere. It's almost in everything. And, yeah. uh, you know, people do get real withdrawal and and crave it. And I suppose if you were suffering from stress for other things going on in your life, people then crave a little bit of comfort, don't they? So yeah. what do you say to People that you meet in those situations when they slip up and they they still crave the sugar.
0: Sure. Yeah, I think that coming off sugar is probably the one one of the hardest things to do. And um, I talk about the benefits of doing it, but that's not to say that I don't um, understand how difficult it is. And in some cases, I mean, everyone's different and sometimes you need a different approach for the individual and um, that's sitting opposite you. But some people will respond best to literally kind of the ripping off the band aid approach and just going cold turkey from one day to the next. And somebody else will respond better to, you know, a slow reduction. Um, however, I think that when you make somebody aware of all the places where sugar is lurking and it's usually lurking in places where you least expect it, And that's usually in like our savoury foods. I mean, you're expecting the obvious forms of sugar in cakes and biscuits and chocolate and ice cream and those Mm. kind of things. But you don't expect it in bread, crisps or mayonnaise or pasta sauces or, you know, those kind of things that Mm. we tend to rely on um, because we're all so busy. You know, so that's the first thing is trying to wean you off the reliance of those convenience foods, those um, highly processed foods that are highly palatable, really, because they're packed full of sugar and sodium and poor quality fats and all the things that are unfortunately driving our epidemic of these, you know, lifestyle related chronic health conditions like type two diabetes and obesity and also our mental health crisis that we're experiencing. So it's I think when you realize that if you were just to try and focus on more plants, a minimally processed diet. So try and make more things yourself and just do it slowly but surely. Mm -hmm. And again, where you are just including more of the beneficial foods, So maybe focus more on what you're adding into your diet as opposed to what you're going to remove. And that can be very enjoyable and also make you feel more empowered. And you can actually enjoy the process of getting healthy. But it takes time, you know, and I'm not going to sugarcoated in, in, excuse the pun but it is um it takes dedication it takes time but i think also when you understand what you're doing and you can make that a logical thought process and decision making process as opposed to that i'm just going to be good and relying on willpower willpower doesn't last and mm. that's not a good strategy for success you really no. need to understand what you're doing and often what i say is yeah why not Get yourself the help of a healthcare professional like a nutritionist or a nutritional therapist. Um, because it's exactly the same as needing help in the gym with a personal trainer. You know, you need help to get started sometimes, and then you'll be fine on your own and um, to work on your own. But it's badly, badly needed.
1: Mm, you're dead right. Rome wasn't built in the day. Yeah. Progress is gradual, it's slow. But mm. well, the great thing is small changes over time can make. A really dramatic long-term impact on your health and well-being. So I would say yes. to anyone, never stop starting. Love that. How do you stay healthy yourself?
0: Well, I love the way healthy eating makes me feel and mm-hmm. it makes me feel energized. So therefore I want to exercise. So I prioritize exercise and healthy eating every day, but it's not it's not difficult to do that. So it's just part of my lifestyle. Sleep, um, I also prioritize sleep some some days are better than others i suppose like everybody it's not like i have this perfect sleep but um it's i i have noticed myself that if i don't sleep well then i am naturally craving more of those energy dense Mm. foods more carbohydrates whatever so just again reminding yourself taking a spoonful of your own medicine and uh, reminding yourself the importance of sleep uh, for my cognitive function And also, so exercise, I just absolutely love the way it makes me feel, um, especially now at this midlife stage. So I am a woman in menopause myself and the mental strength that I get from exercise is the first thing I feel. And so yeah, so prioritizing being out in nature. I have a dog. I'm lucky that I live close to a forest park. I love to go walking there and I love also consuming content uh, via podcasts. So that's how I actually kind of stay up to date. I feel what's going on and you know, it is thankfully um progressing so fast. There's so much new and interesting things that are happening in the 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 field of medicine and well-being and longevity in particular which I'm really interested in healthy aging and longevity so I'm like I feel like I'm consuming that stuff like so quickly um but it's it's all really good so yeah so that's how I stay healthy and also connections I love just catching up with my friends and laughing so yeah that's kind of what I do.
1: Well, I think actions do speak louder than words, and you're really, I think, hitting on 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 the main boxes of lifestyle as medicine. There, through great nutrition, yeah. exercise and movement, restorative sleep, time in nature, which are healthy environments, and great great social connections. Rachel, is there a, a tough time in your life that that you you've overcome that you'd like to share?
0: Uh, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we have probably all got a story of um, kind of triumph over adversity Um, in my case it was it was a more personal situation where um, unfortunately the sudden death of my mother from melanoma and it was a really kind of devastating time for us we were all heartbroken and it also happened to coincide with the start of my my own menopause journey but I actually wasn't aware that I was experiencing menopause at the time But I was definitely feeling the psychological impact of menopause, especially, I think, on my emotional state and my stress responses. My kids were still very young and it was, yeah, it was a very challenging time because it was so sudden. And yeah, so I think that that was definitely hard. But It made me kind of rethink what I'm doing and reassess my life. And Mm -hmm. um, I think when somebody close to you, especially a parent, dies, um, you become aware of your own mortality and how much time you have left and the meaning of life and what you want to do with the time that you have left. So I suppose my own reassessment and reflection led me to make the decision to actually retrain as a nutritional therapist Because I think, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, my whole career has really been focused around commercial kitchens and running food businesses. Um, So I was feeling the pace of that in physically on my body. And I knew that, you know, I mean, I was 44 um, at the time and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to sustain another 10 years at that pace but I still loved food in particular, healthy food. So I decided that I wanted to do something with food. So that's when I went back to college and trained as a nutritional therapist for four years and also did lifestyle medicine and a kind of an upskilling of my uh, chefing abilities. And I trained as a medicinal chef. So learning about raw food mastery and fermentation and lifestyle medicine Mm. and all of those things. So I suppose it's a kind of a bittersweet story because it, it was m- my mother's death, sudden death that kind of triggered all of this. But it has kind of set me on this path of continuous learning and upskilling that so far has lasted the last eight years. And I've, I feel I'm not finished yet because I'm just loving, you know, all of the acquirement of knowledge, I suppose, and how I'm able to apply that and help my own clients as well.
1: Well, that's a one wonderful legacy for your late mom that 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 it kind of I suppose propelled you into this new direction in terms yeah. of health and well being and, and supporting so many others yeah. out there. What are you grateful for?
0: I um really grateful for, I think, the relationship with my children and my husband. And we are a team and it feels good to have that kind of healthy relationship with with my family makes life a lot easier not to mention very enjoyable my kids are no longer kids they're like young adults now but and they're all kind of doing their own thing but we have that night nice, we have a good strong relationship and I'm very grateful for that I'm also very grateful for my health and I'm also grateful for I suppose the challenges that I've experienced and the resilience that that has created within me And I feel that I am probably better equipped now as a result of all of those challenges and be it in business, be it, you know, family challenges, personal challenges that, you know, I feel mentally and physically strong and looking forward to hopefully the next 40 years of a um, of a health span in my life. So I'm very grateful for all of the ups
1: and downs, I suppose. Wonderful. What would you say to your 21 year old self looking back
0: at 21? I mean, I was already running a food business back then. And but I, I kind of thought that this is my my life path. What, what I would say to myself now is to consider other options in terms of career options. Don't close any doors. Believe in yourself. You're way better than you think. And also wear SPF every single day.
1: Mm, really wise reflections. And in terms of resilience, Rachel, you're clearly a very resilient person. What What three take homes would you give our listeners for building a resilient mindset?
0: Feed your brain, uh, a whole foods diet. I think that is uh, the key message because. Food is information and our brain requires all the raw material in order to be able to thrive and healthy, healthy eating really provides your brain with those raw materials that will enable you to develop that growth mindset that I was talking about earlier. So where you're thinking in possibilities rather than excuses or things that could potentially hold you back. And, you know, those raw materials are literally the building blocks uh, for your mental health and thankfully there's been lots of epidemiological um research done um showing the benefits of a healthy diet and how it can actually improve the mental health outcomes in comparison to using the kind of current model which is the you know pharmaceutical drugs so actually emphasizing a minimally processed plant rich diet is one of the best things that you can do for your health and in terms of reducing every known risk factor for these Mm -hmm. chronic health conditions. So that would be the first one. Of course, I'm going to say that with nutrition. Second of all, I would say just move yourself, move your body every single day in some way. The mental health benefits you are going to feel instantly. And thirdly, I would say probably sleep, because I think that We all know how good we feel after a good night's sleep. Um, I think we can feel like we can take on the world. Sleep is restorative. You do all of your kind of cellular cleanup, that kind of internal housekeeping, as I think of it, and repair work while you are asleep. For my menopausal women, what I say is sleep is a weapon and it's a very effective tool um, specifically for helping you to maintain a healthy weight because it's going to reduce those risks, those um, cravings for those energy dense foods. So getting a good night's sleep is actually probably going to show greater benefits to you in your attempts to try and maintain a healthy weight or even lose weight than punishing yourself and putting yourself on these extreme diets, which are not going to work. But yeah, so I think whole foods diet, moving every single day and prioritizing sleep. Those would be my my top three tips.
1: And finally, for you, Rachel, what's the meaning of life?
0: Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) Well, I think it's probably very subjective. And I think probably personally, it's about fulfillment and finding purpose and making a positive impact on the world around me so it is i think feeling like you are doing something worthwhile and getting you know you know they say that you you get more when you actually give and the act of giving is is actually doing more for the giver than the receiver. So I think that you know uh, sharing the knowledge and making an impact on uh, somebody's life in a positive way um, by helping them with their to clean up their diet and likely reduce their um, incidence of of illness or be it mental or physical illness. You know I think it's just having that sense of um of fulfilment, really, you know, and a sense of purpose. So that would for me would be the most important thing.
1: Well, Rachel, it's been lovely having you in the doctor's chair. Keep leading, keep inspiring, keep being your purpose and making a tangible difference in the lives of many others. Thank, Thank you, you very much.
0: Oh, you're welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Mark.
1: Thank you for listening to my podcast in the doctor's chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com.